Hello and welcome to this week's Three Shifts edition by Six Pages, the source for far-reaching market shifts and what they mean. It's September 18th, 2020. Here are the three shifts that you need to know this week. One, Trump's controversial order to test capped Medicare payments for Part B and D drugs. Two, NVIDIA's proposed $40 billion acquisition of ARM is rocking the chip industry. Three, major climate commitments by tech firms and energy giants. Shift one, Trump's controversial order to test capped Medicare payments for Part B and D drugs. This past Sunday, President Trump signed a controversial, quote, executive order on lowering drug prices by putting America first, end quote. The order replaces and expands upon a previous order of the same name signed in July 2020, when Trump signed four separate orders focused on lowering drug prices. Specifically, the order directs Health and Human Services, HHS, to implement rules to test capping Medicare payments for drugs at a, quote, most favored nation price, end quote, the lowest price at which a given manufacturer sells a drug to any other developed nation. The order encompasses both Medicare Part B drugs, given in doctor's offices and hospitals, and Part D drugs, retail purchases. It has limitations, however. The order focuses on testing rather than full-fledged implementation, selects for certain high-cost drugs and biological products, not yet defined, and compares only with prices in countries with a similar per capita GDP, with prices adjusted for volume and national GDP differences. Americans spend $1,229 per capita annually on prescription drugs. The next closest are Germany and Switzerland, where residents spend less than $900 per year. U.S. drug prices can be as much as two times to six times the price in the rest of the world, and 14% is paid by patients out of pocket. Prices have also been rising at 4.5% per year, after discounts, well above the rate of inflation. In the U.S., the federal government is the largest payer, with Medicare accounting for 30% of total drug expenses and Medicaid accounting for another 16%. In 2019, the government spent $97 billion on Medicare Part D drugs, but is not allowed today by law to negotiate their prices directly. The executive order, widely considered to be politically motivated, targets the 30% of U.S. adults who consider a candidate's position on lowering drug prices to be one of the most important issues in influencing their vote. The same poll also saw 75% of Americans in support of direct negotiation by the government with drug companies which is common in European countries and an issue not addressed by the executive order. The omission has left some skeptical that the rules will be implemented with the same boldness as how the executive order was written. The order will have limited immediate effect, since HHS rulemaking is expected to take months. Drug companies are also expected to challenge the rules in court. They have long pushed back on efforts to lower prices, saying it would have a negative impact on R&D investment and result in fewer life-saving therapies reaching the market. Drug R&D is not cheap. Only 1 in 10 compounds make it through clinical trials, which might take 12 years, and the median cost of bringing a drug to market is $1 billion, including failed trials. On the other hand, the pharma industry continues to be very profitable, averaging a 13.8% net margin, significantly higher than other large public companies, which average 7.7%. Pfizer, the largest pharma company in the U.S. by revenue, had a remarkable 29% net margin in its most recent quarterly earnings. The scale of the impact on R&D investment, as well as new entrants and biotech funding, remains to be seen. In the longer run, and even if Trump is not re-elected, the executive order could have far-reaching effects. 
Lowering drug prices is a fairly bipartisan issue in the U.S., which means some version of the executive order is likely to stick. Joe Biden has supported limits on drug prices, including international reference pricing and direct price negotiation by the government. With the federal government the single largest payer in the U.S., and the U.S. the single largest pharmaceuticals market in the world, at just under half the global market, there could be cascading effects for healthcare systems all over the world. To read more content related to pharmaceuticals and healthcare regulation, check out our July 31st, 2020 Three Shifts edition, a rundown of the COVID-19 vaccine race and its frontrunners. In our March 16th, 2020 brief, the new HHS rules and shifting regulatory landscape around health data and AI. Shift 2. NVIDIA's proposed $40 billion acquisition of ARM is rocking the chip industry. Earlier this week, GPU chipmaker NVIDIA announced its intent to acquire UK-based CPU chip designer ARM for $40 billion in what would be the largest ever semiconductor deal. SoftBank, which acquired ARM for $32 billion in 2016, will get cash and a minority stake in NVIDIA. The deal promises to turn NVIDIA, which is known for its graphics chips for gaming and cloud-based AI, into a powerhouse rivaling Intel, with tentacles in, quote, virtually every important compute domain, end quote. Compared to NVIDIA's GPU chips, which are designed for simultaneous, computationally intensive workloads, ARM CPU chips use sequential processing and are suitable for low-power environments. ARM doesn't make chips itself. Instead, its power-efficient chip architecture and designs are licensed by other companies, including Apple, Qualcomm, and Samsung. Over 180 billion ARM-based chips have shipped to date in phones, tablets, smart speakers, smartwatches, thermostats, cars, and more. 90% of the world's smartphones have an ARM-designed chip. ARM is smaller in revenue and staff than NVIDIA, but has greater reach. It has $1.9 billion in revenue, over 6,000 employees, and 22 billion chips shipped annually by licensees. In comparison, NVIDIA has $11 billion in revenue, over 13,000 employees, and 100 million chips shipped annually. The acquisition of ARM would also expand NVIDIA's developer reach from 2 million to over 15 million developers. NVIDIA has been on an ambitious journey, first making the leap from gaming to data centers, then to GPU-accelerated computing for full pipeline data science. For NVIDIA, the, quote, integration of CPU and AI GPU architectures, end quote, is central to the acquisition. The merger enables it to own a full data center platform, with one analyst projecting NVIDIA could capture, quote, up to 80% of the value of the serial processing part of the data center ecosystem, end quote. The deal also advances NVIDIA's position on the edge, in automotive chips and other AI inferencing, for example, applying pre-trained models on devices versus the training stage. ARM, in turn, gains an entry point into AI device hardware and high-end servers, as well as NVIDIA's IP to push through its channel. The acquisition is rocking the chip industry. In buying ARM, NVIDIA is attempting to combine two different business models. NVIDIA's business of selling proprietary chips is very different from ARM's role as a quote-unquote neutral Switzerland, licensing chip architecture and designs to over 500 companies. For instance, with an ARM acquisition, NVIDIA competitors Intel and AMD would become NVIDIA's customers. NVIDIA plans to maintain ARM's neutrality and open licensing to all who can pay and even expand ARM's IP licensing portfolio with its GPU and other technology. According to NVIDIA's CEO, the economics of pushing its technology through ARM's channel could be quote-unquote incredible. However, it will have to overcome the challenges of different requirements in developing, 
documenting, and testing chip technology for an IP-based business model, something NVIDIA has previously failed at. ARM's position as a neutral supplier may be tarnished. Licensees are worried NVIDIA will have access to the latest ARM architectures before others in the market. There are early indications of a backlash, with licensees accelerating existing efforts to explore royalty-free open architecture rival RISC-V, despite it lacking the maturity of ARM's ecosystem. Apple, which has been moving towards ARM-based chips, is reputed to have a perpetual license on the ARM architecture, though it still pays a royalty per chip. The deal is expected to take 18 months to close, and it still may not be approved in the UK or China. The UK is scrutinizing the deal with concern about job losses, despite NVIDIA's assurances that it will retain its UK HQ and build a new AI research center there. China has a large geopolitical game to play. Its national champions could face another US-controlled choke point for key components if the merger goes through. Huawei, for instance, which has been facing growing supply pressure from US export controls, is a major ARM customer. ARM China, which is 49% owned by ARM and 51% by stake-backed investors, is another piece of the chessboard. Chinese regulators could require that ARM China be spun off as a condition of approval. Its situation is complicated by an ousted CEO who has refused to step down or allow ARM UK executives onto the premises. If ARM China cuts ties with its parent and operates independently, the proprietary value of ARM's IP could be diminished. To read more content related to chip manufacturing and the global tech arms race, check out our June 26, 2020 Three Shifts edition, Apple reinforces its walled garden with Apple Silicon chips and Macs. And our June 5, 2020 Three Shifts edition, Huawei's global competitiveness is threatened by international pressure. Shift 3. Major Climate Commitments by Tech Firms and Energy Giants The past week has seen a round of major climate commitments. Earlier this week, Google announced it would run its operations entirely on carbon-free energy by 2030. This is the next step for Google, which has been quote-unquote carbon neutral through offsets since 2007. It also said it had offset its full carbon legacy since the company's founding. Facebook also came forward and said it planned to reach net zero, including indirect emissions from suppliers, employee commuting, and business travel by 2030. It also committed to purchasing renewable energy and offsets to negate emissions from its operations this year. Microsoft, Apple, and Amazon have made similar commitments over the past year. Yesterday, Amazon announced the first five investments from its $2 billion Climate Pledge Fund, announced in June 2020. The recipients include Carbon Cure, which provides carbon-removing concrete for construction, in which Amazon will be using an HQ2, Pachama, which measures carbon emissions and capture and lets organizations pay for emissions through reforestation, Redwood Materials, which Amazon will use to recycle lithium-ion batteries, Rivian, from whom Amazon has purchased 100,000 electric vehicles, and Turntide, whose HVAC motors reduce energy usage by 64% and are being piloted in Amazon buildings. Two energy giants also came forward with their own commitments. BHP, the world's largest natural resources company, will invest 2 to $4 billion to cut its carbon emissions by 30% by 2030. It plans to increase use of renewable energy at its mines, electrify its truck fleet, and develop approaches to make steelmaking and shipping less carbon-intensive. Oil major BP separately made its first investment in offshore wind power, paying $1.1 billion for a 50% stake in two projects. BP has pledged to go carbon neutral by 2050 and is boosting low-carbon investment 10 times to $5 billion annually. 
Also noteworthy, this week, the Business Roundtable, a prominent U.S. business group, came forward in support of the U.S. reducing emissions by 80% from 2005 levels by 2050. The Roundtable also endorsed putting a price on carbon emissions. Increasing commitments from businesses come at a time when estimates of climate change, albeit them imprecise, varying, and based on enormously complex science, are beginning to converge and offer businesses a better sense for what to expect. General agreement is that the Earth has warmed about 1 degrees Celsius, 1.8 degrees Fahrenheit, so far since the pre-industrial era. As reported in the Wall Street Journal, the quote-unquote current broad consensus is an expected overall increase of approximately 3 degrees Celsius, 5.4 degrees Fahrenheit, by 2100, a level that will be catastrophic in the literal sense. Researchers are projecting U.S. GDP would see a loss of 0.35 to 1.2% per degree of warming. Damages associated with large-scale singular events at 3 degrees Celsius are estimated to cause a 2- to 8-fold larger economic impact. As COVID-19 has shattered the notion that things will always function the way they have, we may see a greater willingness among businesses to engage with the reality of a 3 degrees C increase by 2100 and take collective action. To read more content related to climate change and climate-related investments, check out our March 18th, 2020 brief, Looking Beyond, 11 Ways in Which COVID-19 Might Be an Inflection Point, and our February 26th, 2020 brief, Billions in Climate Funding from Bezos, Microsoft, KKR, and others. Why now? That's it for this week's Three Shifts Edition. If you'd like to read more content and you're not already subscribed, Head to sixpages.com to sign up for free summaries of our deeply researched briefs in the Three Shifts Edition straight to your inbox. Keep an eye out for our upcoming brief on telemedicine and doctors on demand. And talk to you again on next week's Three Shifts Edition. 